Welcome everybody to another episode of the Remnant Call. I am your host, Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight. And um, I want to jump into something. It's not going to be a real long program. I know a lot of people are gone this weekend for Labor Day. It's, um, you know, people are out with their families and, and gone traveling and, and whatever. And um, But uh, I just wanted to share something with you that's I think really important, especially in this hour, when there's so much evil running rampant, this almost perplexity of why does this happen? And and it it's a perplexity that bothers the saints, the believers, the, the remnant, um, that this could happen. Why somebody who's seems to be following in the ways of God seems to suffer, and yet those who live in absolute wickedness uh, seem to prosper so much. And so I want to dig into this. Uh, for a minute tonight, so let's pray. Father, in the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise and bless your holy name. May it reign supreme in such a dark world that we live in. Lord, may you be lifted up in such a powerful way that you bring the knees of every person down, as your word will talk about. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But Lord, in your remnant, in your believing uh, group of believers, in your ecclesia, Lord, may you bring your people to their knees in this hour of repentance and seeking you, Lord, with a drive in their heart that instead of us crying out all of our woes all the time, Lord, that we would ask you and we would, Lord, what would you have us to do in this hour for your kingdom? I pray this all in Yeshua's powerful name, Lord, and that you would protect this program with your mighty warning angels. We come against every evil principality in the name of Yeshua to be cast out from this program and that your spirit be bound tight with us tonight in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, folks, I'm glad you're here. I had an interesting experience today. I was over at a church. Uh, you know, I run an IT. I own an IT company, and um, I um, am blessed with wonderful workers. But there was a church a few years ago that one of my employees was at, and he was installing software that he was told to do on everybody's computer. And one of their pastors, um, he wasn't there, so my employee, who's a very wonderful person, uh, wouldn't do anything wrong to anybody, and he just went by his computer, he wasn't there, he just real quick installed it and went on. But when the pastor got back, he was so angry, he jumped up in my employee's face and shook his fist at him, and was so mad because he had dared to touch his computer. Well, that didn't go over well with me. Um, first of all, when somebody does that, that is an instant indicator that there's something on their computer that they don't want anybody to know about. And well, long story short, I took that pastor all the way to the church board and thank goodness they fired him. By the way, he married an LGBTQ, whatever couple at that church, uh, and then turned around and said, uh, well, I didn't know we couldn't do that. Anyways, it was a just, you know what? I, I'm not that type of person where I feel like I need to confront everything in the world, but I knew that for the sake of the people that went to that church, that I should stand up and fight, not just for my employee, because if you mess with my employee, you mess with me. And, but also that for the sake of those people, that pastor needed to be thrown out. 
So I thank God that they, you know, he, he was gotten rid of and, um, he wrote, was forced to write an apology. It was the most half-hearted thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was, it was disgusting. He was no pastor. I, I, he was just, he was nothing but uh, the devil in, in sheep's clothing. And he wasn't even sheep's clothing. My goodness, this guy was the wolf just outright. It was horrible. But I was back there again with this other church and uh, this church. And I was talking to them today. But, hey, you need, you know, if you want to go to the cloud, that's fine. They really wanted to Google. I said, well, I don't know why you want to go to Google. You're nonprofit. You can get TechSoup. Why don't you go to Office 365? You know, you can get about 10 licenses, roughly. They'll give you a lot of times for free as a nonprofit. Microsoft's actually friendly to religious organizations, um, where most of the other people and the vendors in TechSoup are not as friendly. Anyways, um, I said, you know, they're. I said, there's a lot of things in TechSoup you can't have as a church um, because churches are considered to be discriminatory. I said, you, you know, you, we have beliefs that say, you know, certain lifestyles are wrong and right and wrong. And, and the pastor looked over me and was like, well, I don't know why they would be upset. Let's just share our mission story with them. Basically sitting there telling me we don't discriminate against anything. And I, I literally just wanted to explode right there. Now I'm in a business, you know, meeting, but I wanted to explode and say, how could, how do you call yourself? Well, I'll tell you right now, as a male and a female pastor, and I'm not even going to get into that, but, you know, God sets standards of the way things are supposed to be. And, uh, you know, we can choose not to listen to them, but God gave men responsibilities in his church, and he gave women responsibilities. And I think we've forgotten what those are in this day and age. And I was just, I already know these things. I just couldn't believe that this church, and several times I tried to bring it back to them to acknowledge that in the churches, you know, and I'm not saying you need to go to any church. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying I was talking with them. I was like, in your church, we're supposed to have in the Bible, you're to have beliefs of what's right and what's wrong. But I couldn't get them to understand that. That's what you're dealing with today, folks. This is your modern day church, and I don't care if you're a Sabbath keeper. Like you know, and people ask me if I'm uh, go to if I'm a Sabbath keeper. Yes, I am. Guess what though? I preach in Sunday churches if I'm called. You know, I spread. I preach anywhere that God calls me to speak the word with. But yes, am I a Sabbath keeper? Yes, I am. But that doesn't has never saved anybody. Okay, only Yeshua does the saving. Um, but it doesn't matter whether you are a Saturday or Sunday or whatever. The truth is, is that in all denominations in modern day religion today, the devil is attending church quite happily at ease without any concerns over sin because they're not bringing it up. And it's in all the churches all over the place. And folks, God is calling us out to the old paths, as he talked about in Jeremiah. Where is then the good way that we should walk in those? The Lord set a rule of standards in his word that we would walk to keep us safe. And not only keep us safe, but keep our neighbors safe. When we don't steal, it's good for us and good for the neighbors. You know, when you don't uh, covet or, you know, or commit adultery with your neighbor's wife, that's good for you and your neighbor. God's laws were were made of, his commandments were there to protect us and to do us good. They're not a burden. He put them on our heart. They're natural. They're supposed to be a, a part of our walk and not burdensome, but joyous to us. 
Unfortunately, the words you're hearing out of many churches today is contrary to that. Now, you know most of you listening to this program. And listen, I'm not saying there are pastors out there, folks, that are. I don't care if you're so anti-church, whatever, but I'm telling you, there are still pastors out there that are preaching a true, unadulterated word of God, and God bless them and prosper them in that. But this is the common thing that we are up against every week. And for those that are more, man, we don't we don't really go with the world, but it's just the same regurgitated stuff, never challenged by people's sin. Just come in here, we'll read a few verses and go home. That's where we're up. And so because of this very thing that's happening, our world is in the shape, especially in the United States right now, that it is in. We're back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, or even, well, it started to change in the 60s, but even 70s and 80s in a lot of churches, you know, yes, things slowly started to change, but people still would preach the word of God. But over time, people began to water it down to be more accepting because of culture. And the next thing you know, the word has been lost and that which is wrong is now right in people's eyes. And we have confusion in the world and it gets to be hard to understand. And this is something that's not unique to us as believers. This has happened to God's people, even in the word. And I want to jump into Psalm 73 for a moment tonight. You know, it's a Psalm of Asaph. He dealt with this hard question. Why is it God? that the wicked, the evil, those who are wrong, why do they seem to prosper so much? Psalm 73, verse 1, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Amen. God loves those, and he's good to those that are of a clean heart. Now, you know what, folks? Some of us aren't of a very clean heart. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to come. But his desire is to clean us up and to get us on the right paths so that we can walk in holiness in the right ways. I've told people often, so often in my life, that when I'm in the mission field in Africa and I'm up in the mountains in Africa and I'm alone and I'm having to pray like I've nonstop and I'm seeking the Lord with all my heart because I am in foreign territory. I am, I'm having to preach the word. This is hostile territory. You know, I've been in, in you know, Islamic villages and whatever else. And, and I'm, you know, needing to pray. I never worry about my walk with God because every day I am seeking his face. And therefore, obedience never crosses my mind. How would it cross my mind? I'm having to rely upon God for everything. You don't have to ask me, Frank, did you remember to do this? No, it's not It's not possible because it's not in my heart. What's in my heart right then is the things of God. But Asaph was struggling. He, he was struggling with it so much, he actually backslides. Listen to this. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He had, this had perplexed him so hard, he had almost fallen into this backslidden state. He, was, he couldn't stand seeing this. He said, for I was envious. Oh, now that's an interesting word. At the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, 
but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like the other men. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain and violence cover them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. So here are people who are so vile and so wicked, who are cursing God, right? They set their mouth against the heavens. They are prosperous. Their eyes are fat. They've got more than they could want. They don't suffer like other men do. It seems like everything's going their way. And there seems to be sometimes no repercussion for what's going on in their lives. They have won, in Asaph's eye, a lottery. And they're living the high life. They've got everything they want. And when he began to look at this and to dwell upon us, he got envious of what they were doing. This is a man pouring out his heart as pure as anybody could. He's telling it as it is. Here's a mighty man of God in the Bible who envied the wicked, and he's trying to share from the bottom of his heart the struggle that he's going through. And I'm, folks, I'm telling you right now, the struggle is the same today as people look and can't understand. Why do the leaders in America prosper? Why does such wickedness sit on the throne in this country? Why does such evil and their children and everything else get away with everything that seems to be wicked? And we all see it. It's in front of our faces. Everybody knows the corruption that's going on. Everybody knows the fake and the false, um, the, the pandemic that happened and all these things. We know that this is all lies of the devil. We understand that the supporting of this Ukrainian constant support of the largest, some of the largest sex trafficking country out there, it's all evil and wicked what's going on, but they're forcing you into believing this lie. And after long enough, it can become your truth. And if you go to a church that preaches or a fellowship or some gathering that preaches this demonic doctrine so often, you will fall into it. You know, it's like, folks, I, I have fellowshiped with all kinds of people. I have fellowshiped all over the place. I've been with the, you know, absolutely super, super, uh, you know, obedient to the the most legalistic you've ever seen in your life. I've also met some of the most liberal and folks, I've noticed something there. There's something real quick that always tells me whether I'm on the right, because I've had to run from some of these groups and get away from them. Uh, they were, you know, they were so, I, I've noticed sometimes the the ultra, ultra um, uh, legalistic that's uh, overbearing, that they are some of the meanest, angriest people I've ever been with in the world. And I'm a person who believes in obedience. And I, the same thing over with the most liberal. They're the angriest people if you dare confront their liberal theology. I've noticed that the ultra, ultra um, liberal and the ultra, ultra super conservative legalistic are the exact same people, just on opposite sides of the pendulum. And I have noticed, I remember, you know, we, I was talking to some people, we were in this fellowship back in this area and we were talking, I was like, man, we all noticed something. The spirit of God was not in that place. And we ran from it. We got away from it. We got out of there because it was evil. 
and it was wicked, and it was wrapped in some unbiblical theology. And it was packaged that it looked good, but I realized that all these people wanted to do is angry and wicked. And you know what, folks? They were prospering in their own anger, and they loved it. You know what? These things were happening today. These people, they are, yes, the wicked seem to be prospering. It seems to be sometimes, why is it that the remnant are suffering so much? Why is it sometimes that God's people are having you know, such a hard time? Well, I'll tell you right now, folks, the devil doesn't need to torture those who he's got in his hip pocket. The devil doesn't need to ruin somebody's life that's doing his bidding. But ultimately, their reward will be death. That's the reward you get for wickedness. You will get a reward, just like you get a reward for serving Jesus. You will get a reward for serving the devil. It will be death, the lake of fire. You will get that. It will be your reward. But here, Asaph, struggling through this to understand he can't, why is this happening that the ungodly are prospering and they keep increasing, as it says in verse 12, in riches? He says, verily, listen to this though, verily in verse 13, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children when I thought... To know this, it was too painful for me. He, he was trying to understand it. It was vexing him to his very soul. But then in verse 17, revelation, God-ordained revelation hits Asaph. And he has a powerful understanding of what's truly going to take place. Listen to this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Now, before I read anymore, I want you to understand this. He was outside the sanctuary trying to understand what was going on. He was outside of God's presence. He was outside of the worship of God at this time. Until he went into the sanctuary, until we get into our prayer closets, until we get alone with God, we will struggle to understand why it is it seems that we go through constant tribulation and the wicked go through constant prosperity because we don't understand the true plan of God and that he chastens those whom he loves. Verse 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into their destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? The end of their lives. Have you ever read this story? I wish I could find it. It was this testimony of, of all these people, these great leaders through history, their dying words. It was the craziest, uh, scariest things you'd ever read. The fear and terror that went over these so-called great powerful leaders at their dying word, words they feared and understood that a, a judgment was awaiting them 
and they died with terrors, understanding where they would be. Verse 22, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Asaph's like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was an idiot. I can't believe this. I gotten so hung up on this. I had backslidden. I had gotten envious. But then when I got back close with you, Lord, you cleared it up and you showed me what's going to happen to these people. And now I understand and I feel foolish, Lord, like a beast of this earth for the way I believed. But now, Lord, I see clearly through your word and I understand that their end is destruction. And that is for a time, and they are on a slippery slope that will lead to a place of total consumption. Folks, God knows what he's doing. These leaders today think they are so rich and got everything they want. Their end is destruction. And it's not, I don't have to worry about it. You know why? Because the Bible says that he is coming back our 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 mighty lord our lord god almighty yeshua he is coming the lord is shall return and he is coming to render judgment and he says he has tread the winepress alone and yes his vesture, his vesture it's dipped in blood see you see our heavenly father wanted us to understand that vengeance is the Lord's for one reason. It's personal. Do you understand that? It's personal. Now they killed his son. Okay. He had to sacrifice his son to pay this price for a dying world. And it's personal now. And they think for a moment they're living high on the hog, but what's going to wake them will scare them to death. It's going to scare them so bad that it says in Luke 21 that their hearts shall fail them for fear just for the things that are coming upon the earth. Folks, we are living in a time that is so close now, so close to the return of Yeshua. But it's going to get worse, but God has got it under control for his people. There's you are not commanded to live in fear. You are commanded to seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you. Your job is to find the perfect love that casts out all fear, because the only one we fear is the one who can destroy the soul in hell fire. And he says, by his fear, you find perfect love that casts out all fear. It's the most amazing thing that fearing God in the biblical way, gives you peace. It makes no understanding to a modern-day scholar. They can't understand it. It's too deep for their minds to comprehend that fearing God gives peace to the believer. But I'm here to tell you, folks, it will calm you, it will settle you, and it will establish you. God is going to make a move in these last days. He's not forgotten you. He's not given up on you. He's not, this is all, they're having their moment, okay? They're having it. And their Savior's coming. And his reward is death. Because that's what they'll get. Unless they turn and repent. But many of these people, they don't want to. 
They already have chosen and decided they love the one whom they serve. But you know what? Your neighbor, your other people like that around you, you know, your family, there's hope. There's hope. And our job is to share with them the hope that is in Yeshua. And you know, sometimes when you're suffering and we're struggling, and that person sees you in your affliction, and they see you in your hardship, and they see you still worshiping and praising your God, sends a powerful testimony. My wife, she works with me, and she's a dispatcher, and um, she answers the door, it comes up front. And this, uh, my wife takes care of all the delivery people that come in. Uh, UPS, FedEx, whatever. I mean, she treats them like their own children. My wife knows their stories, what's going on in their lives. Anyway, she, our customers too, they're like our family. And there was a boy, he was delivering there. And um, he went to, uh, he got cancer. It was real sad. Young man. And my wife was talking to him and they were talking about Jesus. And he's like, I'm okay. He's like, you know, he knew what he had, but he had the Lord and he was going to be okay no matter what. And, and he passed away. So my wife, um, she sent a letter and, and I think flowers or something to the family. And, and he's just our delivery guy. And the mother showed up at work and she just wanted to meet this lady that her son delivered packages to that was so thoughtful that she would write something so nice and send something to somebody she barely even knew. Those few words, that note, well, my wife made a new friend and was able to share how her son had blessed with such kind attitude when you came in. And I'm sure in a way it helped that grieving mother deal with the passing of her son and knowing that with Christ all things are possible. Folks, it is an evil world and the wicked seem to be prospering. But according to the word of God, they will be cast down to destruction and you will be lifted up to be forever with your God. Keep holding on. Don't give up. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sound